0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However,
2: Hello and welcome to the Chelsea fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery. The show that after Monday night's depression is actually looking forward to Sunday's game, or or are we? Um, we'll see. Uh, joining me, Dean Mears, of course. still away. Only two more shows, guys. Hang on. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, J.K., how are you feeling?
3: Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm a bit. It's a winter is setting in. I'm wearing my hat. It's a bit cold. Uh, um um it's a bit uh, breezy on the beach though yeah yeah it's yeah but it, it's it's unfortunately it's a virtual reality beach dean if it was the real really? thing i would be basking i'd have my chest out but and my legs out but no it's uh it's if i'm going to go back to me banner in a minute you can tell that i haven't i haven't um i haven't uh given up on tucall well i i have in the sense he'll never be our manager again well you never know never say never but um uh in the short term i'm the i've just got the i want the Tuchel vibes because uh, uh i'm not madly keen on, at the moment on the pochettino vibes uh, trying hard there he is but i'm seeing too many echoes of uh, of uh, Peter potter and um uh you know I, it, it's it's hearing him say uh yes it's the injuries of the problem and i was just thinking well i i'm don't know who's going to go into the first team and we don't know what's the actual first team if and um but you know I'm, I'm to answer your question um uh life is interesting as always but um when it comes to football uh who knows i don't really know what the fuck is going on here so i've waffled horribly and i'd rather introduce <laughs> who, uh, um, who we have as our guest who is of course the uh the brain of stamford bridge uh, chair of supporters trust and uh um fantastic organiser as I've learned and and author as I've uh, learned to discover over the years and uh, and a really jolly nice guy everybody Um, I'm sure you know that when you've met him Um, but uh, he is of course the excellent Mark Meer. lovely to have you on Mark.
4: Lovely to be on JK and really good to see you good to see Dean as well and good evening to all the good people in Mixler Uh, looking forward to talking optimistically about the game oh, on Sunday, if no, I possi- how can you if do I, that? If I, po- if I possibly can, But like I listened to the show the other night with you and Marco on. Oh, oh. <laughs> did you feel <laughs> like
3: slitting your wrist? No, so no, 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 no.
4: There was a, there was a moment that I was sort of thinking, can you imagine? It was almost you were at that point um, where you were going to say to Sopwith. with, "Well, Sopwith, with, get my loaded revolver. I'm going <laughs> for a walk in the woods, and I might not return." <laughs> But it got better. I think the, by the end of the show, I think both you and Marco were in a far better place. But, oh, like Samaritans were taking calls early doors on Monday night shows. So.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. I almost, I almost, the, the cyanide pill was almost thrown into the, uh, into the chamber. Yes. Absolutely correct. Yeah. But, you know, I've, i um, let's not have the same chat tonight. I'm well, buoyed up by. Let's see, you know, let's see where it goes. Yeah, you. I'm, I'm guided by your. I'm guided yeah. by your enthusiasm. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've been on the show. Probably by the
4: end of it, I may have done a reverse role in this. <laughs> like, you know, I've not been on for a few weeks, so I've come really enthusiastic tonight. You know, uh, looking forward to doing the show. Uh, before we start, just want to say big happy birthday to my good friend Chelsea supporter. East End season ticket, older, occasional rock star who I was with last night, Mr. Andrew James Cairns. Happy birthday, Andy, and I'll see you again Sunday.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday to Andy uh, and to Dan Silver, who turned 50 this week. Uh, Happy birthday, Dan. Well,
3: 50? Um... The Silver 50. I can't believe it. He's, he is the eternal youth. Goodness sake. What is his secret? Oh, dear, give me some of that.
4: I mean, he's left Juventus as well. I saw during the Champions League this week, you know, he's playing for a different team now. I didn't even know he'd left Juventus. Yeah. Isn't he playing in
3: the uh, in a,
4: for an American side? No, no, he was He was on TV. Who was he playing for? I thought, well, oh, Dan Silva's changed clubs. You yeah, know, Chileans changed clubs. Who was he playing for? It was on TV the other night, Champions League <laughs> game. I'd have to look it up, yeah.
2: yeah. Apparently, JK doesn't listen to the Monday night show and that saves about 25 years of his life.
3: yes. Yes, I think absolutely. Yeah. I mean, though, anybody listening to the uh, Monday Night Show, uh, 25 is a is a, is a is a small amount of time in comparison. To if I'd listened to myself... Mm. I told you what my girlfriend said. My girlfriend was listening. So she came and sat down beside me. She said, you're like an OAP. She said, in an, <laughs> she said, in, in an old people's home. She said, you and Marco. She said, God, it was the worst possible combination. She said, poor old Dean was was, was slitting his wrists listening to both of you. And I said... Yeah, I, yeah, you do apologise. Well, actually, I wrote that on several people. I said, "I'm so sorry, Diana Jupp." wrote I said, "I'm so sorry, uh, DJ." I said, "I've it was a, a low. It was a special low in podcast, podcast, podcasting for for the fan cast. I think because um, oh, I don't know. We just we bounced off each other, but there wasn't yeah. any bounce. It was just me and." Barco just being, uh oh, you know. Anyway, um, let's, let's put that behind us, as you say, Dean. I, I still blame Chelsea for that anyway. Yeah, um, we can blame Chelsea for that. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We can, yeah. Anyway, on the show
2: tonight, in part one, we're going to ignore the football and talk all things business, asking if recent quotes out of Clear Lake should be concerning for Chelsea fans. And then in part two, we're going to optimistically look at the team news for both teams, get the selection wrong and be on our merry way. Uh, and remember, you can listen to the show live Live on Mixler every Monday and Friday uh, at seven thirty when Chidge is in charge. Uh, random times when he leaves it to me. Uh, By heading to Mixler.com, dot com, that's m i x l r. dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen Fancast, and we're going to get into all that after this. JK, I thought because we had some brains on the show this week, um, we could ask Mark about some. Yeah, of the, yeah,
3: yeah. Don't don't speak to me. Get in there. Get straight in with Mark. Yeah. Some yeah. of the
2: business around Chelsea, and uh, it was Jose Felicano, maybe, maybe not, um, who was interviewed recently. Uh, Mark, I am um, going to read some of these quotes and then ask you sort of what your thoughts are about them. Uh, he okay. said we own, we own about probably about a dozen businesses businesses at Clear Lake that are larger than Chelsea. Many of those are actually undergoing even more significant transformations. They tend to be enterprise software businesses, packaging companies, but you don't ask me about those because you don't care about those. And they don't get reported by the Telegraph and Daily Mail every day. You could definitely rationalize that there's a lot more focus on a sports team than an obscure packaging company. But sometimes you have a conversation with somebody that immediately gets leaked to the press. And that was something that was very new to us. Uh, and then when questioned about the spending, he said, we also sold half a billion dollars of players and reduced the salaries and essentially the OPEX, which is the operating expenses, of the business by over $100 million a year. Um, do you think they understand what they brought, what they spent $4 billion on? on? Uh, good
4: question, Dean. Uh, I'd like to think they do understand uh, what they've um, spent their money on and they've come into this with their eyes wide open. But I think what I can say, certainly from a supporters trust point of view, I think during the uh, sanction and sales process last year, um, the supporters Trust were were the main supporters group who met with all the prospective bidders um, who were looking to take over Chelsea Football Club, including the Clear Lake group. Um, we divided the meetings up between us. Uh, and I, I drew the straw where actually I met Todd Bowley and obviously he was representing the Clear, Clear Lake group. Um, but not, not just Todd, but all the bidders, um, all the prospective owners during that process, certainly from a supporters' trust point of view, we set out our hopes and expectations you know, to all of them from the outset. So certainly from where supporters were coming from, um, I don't think they should be surprised or shocked in, in, in any way. Um, they were understood. Um, they were accepted by, by Todd and his team on behalf of Clear Lake. And you no know, sooner did they take over in May, and I haven't got the letters of hand, yeah, but we did do an introductory lecture to Todd reminding him of obviously all the things we talked about in that meeting during the bidding process, reminding him about the importance of the golden share, reminding him about Chelsea's history um, and all the important things, you know, some of which will obviously be a continual discussion with the club through the fans' advisory board. But I, I would say certainly um, I think they're fully aware of what they've taken on. I think uh, on the second part, I think the leaking side, that is something certainly from a supporters' trust. We've said to the club and their representatives on many occasions they've taken over. Something is not quite right. That there seems to be a phenomenal amount of things leaking, not just team news being leaked, uh, leaked early. Oh. Um the commercial process around state. Um That things things yeah, the the the, the, <laughs> the short-lived steak sponsorship. Um, yeah, that was being leaked. Um, Clearly, there seem to be s- certain journalists that very much are in the know. So, if they are, someone's leaking stuff to them. And even again, when we spoke to the club uh, around stake, and we were sort of saying to them, Well, yeah, how's this got out? Who's leaking this stuff? So, there's clearly a communication issue that someone is leaking stuff somewhere. You know, God forbid if they want to go down the Waggle Christie route and actually start putting out some fake news to trace it back. <laughs> Who knows? But I, th- I think they know what they've taken on. Uh, it is a challenge. I think um, they need to address the communications and the leaking stuff themselves. That's not something I think we as supporters can deal with. That, that's what they've got to sort their own house and that, I'll leave them to that. And then should we should we be concerned? I think there's a high level of concern at the moment because we're a year on. They've spent a billion pounds, um, but we've gone from being sort of third in the Premier League, uh, world champions in the final of two cups, to sit in 14th in the Premier League. And I did say I would be optimistic tonight, Um, but it is only five games. Um, But I think it's more, some of the things, and I think we might probably talk at some point, that have happened more recent, that just sort of seems like, for want of a better word, perhaps an own goal, um, using a football analogy, if, if we use the example of like the coach subsidy, for example, that's that's been well documented, well well debated. Now, in the grand scheme of things, a, a billion you know pound football club, a coach subsidies really small beer in the grand scheme. is neither here nor there, and and it might be oh well, it's not it's not your money, Mark, two hundred fifty thousand pounds a year, but in a billion pound industry, two hundred fifty thousand is not a great deal. Uh, and obviously, with the changing world, J.K. knows because he goes every week to away games, not every away game kicks off at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon anymore. That's changed quite some time ago. Kickoff off at very short notice. We've already got a couple of midweek games you know, this season at the likes of Manchester. So people travelling to those games, unless they use the coach, have to pay for an overnight stay. And also... One of the things Clear Lake were very positive on when they took control was the whole um, importance of inclusivity. Now, many of the people that do use the coaches have disabilities, you know, may have, you know, uh, sort of financial challenges. So the, the coach works for them because it's the only way they'd actually get to support their team. And actually, there, there was a bit of social isolation in to some, some of the people travel on the coaches. You know, they get out and meet with their community and their fellow Chelsea fans every other Saturday or Sunday. It's quite important to them. And if if they didn't have the benefit of the subsidised coach, they probably wouldn't go and um, they'd stay at home. And, you know, Chelsea would lose that support. Yes, it might be replaced by someone else. But it just seems like a really sort of like small thing that Chelsea could have got really good PR on. There's only, I think, one other club that does this. And actually come in and say, do you know what? We want to keep the subsidy. We want our fans there. We want to be inclusive. We want all different types of fans there. Uh, and the coach continues. Um That's why we thought it was the right thing to do. It was my idea. I said to the trust, let's subsidise the Bournemouth coach. So we subsidised the coach uh, last Sunday. And I'm proud that we've done that. And I hope, despite the result, you know, we did something for those people who may not have got to the Bournemouth game without our, without our help. But... Yeah, we don't have a bottomless um pit of funds. We can't subsidize every coach this season. We've tried to encourage the club where possible to talk to potential sponsors. So if they're not in a position to pay for it, maybe make it a condition of some of our sponsors. And we seem to be growing the sponsorship arm that make it a condition. Well, if we invite you in as a new commercial partner, um call it a bit of social value, shall we say? Yeah, would you sponsor one coach a season, for example? Yeah. So it's a bit of a a long answer to obviously the question you asked him, but I hope that covers the points. You know. Can I
3: yeah. can I can I chip in here? Yeah, go ahead, go for it, jk What I, what I found really annoying about the the whole process of the, uh, um, the the quashing of the subsidy was that they said after consultation we've consulted a lot of people over this, yeah. which which came across as being completely fake because. I mean who would they have consulted did they consult any of the people who actually went on the uh, the coaches if they if they'd consulted them surely they'd have seen um that that as you've said absolutely correctly mark away matches as, as home matches to some extent but away matches are a great source of joy for so many people because they they meet their mates they've been going to watch the football with for years and years and um and as I, as I commented on Monday I think it was that so many of them got so fed up with the football that all they're doing is looking at for their mates at the at the Bournemouth game the other day um which you know is which which is a bit of a sad reflection on the standard of the football but um there is a great deal of friendship and camaraderie to be had in those coach journeys of people who've been supporting the club for years and as you say are infirm or have made a big effort to get to the games and uh, and i suppose i suppose You could say, well, it's not not up to the club to um, to mollycoddle people who are disabled in some way, which is a dreadful thing as it's coming across. But you that's the feeling I'm getting from this is they're actually, uh, um, you know, they're cocking a snook at people who are uh, great supporters who've become disadvantaged. And uh,
4: you're right. It's it's a it's a PR own goal, really. Absolutely. Absurd.
3: Ridiculous. Beyond belief. But it's as if to say after a lot of consultation. Well, if you'd consulted people properly, you'd have thought, actually, this is rather essential. But I felt that they when they said that we've consulted, it made their their case even worse. Because obviously they hadn't cons- If they'd consulted it properly, they'd have had m- many people saying, "This is this is so essential for the well-being of so many supporters, you know, who've who who've been supporting the club for years and years." You you should uh, who who are who are aren't having a great time of it. You should be you should be pleased to be in a position to uh, to be able to subsidise this or help, or as you say, find a solution. Rather than just dumping it. I mean, i it's really annoying this, I have to say. Absolutely absurd.
4: Um, no, no, I I I couldn't agree more. And I and I think that your your point is a good one. Find a solution. Yeah. yeah. In, in in any kind of walk of life. And this is business as well. And I appreciate there's a need for financial sustainability and they've got to balance the books, they've spent a billion pounds, etc. Cetera et, cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But within that, you know, but within that overall budget, you can find compromise. Yeah, you, know, you can negotiate. Um and, you know, from a consultation point of view, yes, they spoke to the supporters groups, but to a man and woman, I don't think there was a dissenting voice. They all sort of said, you need to retain the subsidy for the, the very good, you know, salient points you've just made there. It's a community. You know, away games are very, very different to home games. And some of those people have been going away for many, many years. Yeah. And it would be sad if they were unable to go. And, yeah. and I think the other example about disability as well. Yes, you could say, I I'm, I'm trying to be balanced here as well, uh, they could probably get the train. They could probably get the train. But if you use the Bournemouth example and our next away game, which is Burnley, anyone who's listening who's been to Bournemouth and Burnley, it's a long bloody way from the train station to the ground if you're in a wheelchair, for example. You'd have to get a taxi. And then you'd have to rely on a taxi to pick you up and get you back to the station. The beauty about the coaches as well, it's door-to-door. Now, they're not stopping the coaches. They're still running. But what will happen is that the, the subsidy will no longer be there. So I think we'll continue to lobby on this. We think it's really important. We'll continue to encourage the club to talk to sponsors. But we'll try and do that as well. And actually, we'll try and talk to people because we are in a position, uh, Chelsea Football Club, we do have um, some wealthy fans who have a social conscience as well. So we'll try that angle as well. OK, my, people might say, "Would you let the club off the hook then. But actually, it's about doing the right thing. And I think if they retain the subsidy or on the back of all the press noise about this said, do you know what? We've listened because it's called consultation. What supporters had to say. We've listened to what the wider community Chelsea fans have had to say. And we thought again, and they might come back and say, we can't you know, go back to £10, but they might compromise. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's what you'd hope they'd do. And as I said, you then get a really good PR story on the back of this and sort of, well done, Chelsea, they've listened to supporters. And that comes back, I think, to the point of what Jose Feliciano was saying as well. I think he said also, I don't think it's in your notes here, he basically something said, like, they've got strong engagement with supporters. Well, well, here you go, Jose some strong engagement your supporters have told you to retain yeah. the subsidy retain the subsidy there's a massive pr good story for chelsea football club that they could come back from this but we wait and see
3: have they not siphoned some of the money that they're getting for the uh the dugout seats which appear to be 1700 quid a game i mean it is that which is just slightly embarrassing for what the the club has the potential for turning into if they're going to just grab areas of the ground and turn it into corporate in a, a ludicrously ludicrous uh, grabbing family area the family area and making it into a an unbelievably priced corporate area 1700 quid a game i think the lure is that they'll actually end up chatting to the players well I, I don't think that's likely to happen is it or they get an opportunity to see them isn't that part of it see them arrive isn't that part of the whole setup I, it, I, I, I believe, I think it's a good, good point you mentioned the Dugout Club, because obviously that's
4: another thing. There's a combination of many things. All The train is arriving at the station with all many things at once. And the Dugout Club is a classic example. Now, yes, there's a balancing act to be struck if you're looking for financial sustainability. And one of the things we've seen as supporters over the last what, 20 years, there's been few season ticket in Christ, uh, increases because the corporate subsidised the season tickets. So... I can see why they might pursue a corporate path, but there's a difference between having a corporate ticket for Liverpool at home on the first game of the season and no disrespect to Aston Villa, no disrespect to Brighton, no disrespect to Sheffield United, who would play before Christmas. But I'd be very surprised if we sell out either the dugout club and all of our hospitality areas for those teams. And Tim... um. If you haven't seen it, Tim Rolls has done a very good piece in CFC UK. I don't think that corporate is a bottomless pit. And I think there's a school of thought that some people might think it is. The more seats we make available to corporate, the more money we make. Well, yeah, if you're playing Liverpool, at home, you can make the whole ground corporate. But if you're playing Burnley at home, the ground would be empty. So the dugout club... Um, be interesting to see if it's full on Sunday. The only reason I say that is it hasn't been full from what I can see, and JK, you're probably in a better position than I because you look down in your seat. Yeah. But I'm just looking. I'm looking, and if, if it's not, if that is full, other parts of the ground are not. If you look at our attendance this season, I think our capacity now is about four, just over forty thousand. I think it's about forty thousand one hundred. Our attendance for the Liverpool game was 4096 and it looked full for Liverpool game I think it was pretty much full our attendance for the Luton game was 39893 that's 267 below capacity our attendance for the Wimbledon game was 37794 that's 2336 below our new capacity Take off 2000 because they didn't open up the whole of the Wimbledon. I have no idea why. It's not as like you know, we're going to be fighting with the Wombles uh, anytime soon, even if they pick up the litter and take it back to Mori Tobem- afterwards. Yeah, so there's probably 300 seats that weren't used there. The last home game against Forest, the crowd was 39,803, so even lower than you know, I think the, the Luton game. And it'll be interesting to see what the attendance is on Sunday against Villa. If it's anything lower than 40,000, we've got empty corporate seats. Because, as everybody knows, we've sold out every single game so far this season on general admission tickets. So if there's any empty seats, it's not in the general admission area. So come back to what I said. Liverpool game, everything's sold out. General admission corporate. Other games, not so. There's empty seats. There's empty seats in the dugout club. There's empty seats in the executive club. There's empty seats in the new champions club, which is, again, in the Matthew Harding end. And there was away supporters in there. One of the stewards told me for the Liverpool game, celebrating the goal above the Matthew Harding end, potential source of conflict. Um, So the problem is, depending on the opposition, you'll sell corporate tickets or you won't sell corporate tickets. And if you don't sell corporate tickets... That seat lies empty because it doesn't go to general admission, and a nil seat, a, an empty seat, is nil revenue. And if we are trying to go now, different to Abraham Cheera, to a period now of financial sustainability, you need that stadium full, every seat, every week. And as the corporate people aren't buying the tickets, they should be made available for general admission.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels to me, Mark, that someone's having a performance review and they're saying, "Well, I've done." Uh, save money, reduce, remove the coach subsidy. I've created the dugout club. Uh, Westview, View uh, price increases. These are all things they're looking at as positives, whereas we as supporters are uh, sitting there thinking, well, "What are these people doing to our football club?" And it seems to be we're at odds with each other on so many things right now. Is that no, do You feel I, like I, I, the performances aren't great as well on the pitch? Well, I, I, and I think that's 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 part of it
4: as well. I think if the team was doing well on the pitch. And if you look back at our history, Chelsea's footballers always find things that they might want to criticise that are non football related. Even go back to Ken Bates's day, and some of Ken's price increases, electric fences, you know, you, you, you know, all the all sorts of things gone, gone on there. If the team is doing well on the pitch, it will dilute some of those issues. And it may not push them away completely, but it might dilute them. So if the team is successful, it's in the team, say, in, in the top four Champions League chasing place, it dilutes a lot of the noise. If the team isn't doing well, as we saw last season, and let's be clear, the new administration wanted to put prices up last season. They wanted to put season ticket prices up. We lobbied, met with them on many occasions, not just because of cost of living crisis. For our worst season, probably since we were relegated in 1978-79, I think if they put prices up, I think they'd have seen a tremendous pushback from Chelsea supporters so it's well, going to be interesting giants, think Mark they've been people no 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 I don't I don't think it's right because I think if you look back in our history you know, we might complain we might whinge we might moan a lot but there hasn't been many occasions in our history where Chelsea fans have resorted to sort of direct action even when we did the 50 years of history show JK and we talked about the whole Harding Bates thing and I said at the time I was smack bang in the middle of that with the Chelsea Independent Supports Association and we knew Matthew well and there was no supporters protest planned for that Tottenham game that day when Ken had the dogs on the pitch at half time but the thought was you know that fans would um, invade the pitch you know protesting on behalf of Matthew yeah yeah I was there I was smack bang in there that was never even discussed or talked about so you know, Chelsea fans historically, the only time they've taken direct action in more recent times is what everybody knows, was a few years ago around the Super League, uh, on that night we played Real Madrid and they protest against bans for the European Super League. Yeah. But yeah. we're in a we're in a funny place, I think, as supporters at the present moment in time. I think, and I think, although I took the mic earlier, your, yours and Marco with your experience as Chelsea fans have been going for years. And I think Tim and Chidge are in the athletic today. There's a yeah, there's uncertainty going to games now where people will go, yeah, we're gonna to win today, blah, blah, blah. So there's uncertainty and that might rub off on the players on the pitch. So we've got that. So people aren't necessarily enjoying their football. And I think I think you you or Marco might have said it, it was a great day out of Bournemouth last week's fall by the football, which is which is a common theme. Yeah. So People aren't enjoying their football at the moment. We might be playing some good passing football. We might have possession, but we're not scoring goals. Scoring goals is the name, name of the game. And we're not, we're not probably shooting enough. And there's always that, oh, that tippy-tappy last, last part. Then throw in all this other stuff that's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And then you know, people have got more reason to be fed up, yeah, more reason to be annoyed, whether it's the coach subsidy, whether it's the introduction of the dugout club, whether it's the introduction of the Champions box um, in the Matthew Harding end, whether it's the reduction um, in the number of pages in the programme, down by 30 pages, increased by 50p, which you translate to paper costs, is a 100% increase. And also, which I don't think many people have picked up on, we've lost Pat Nevin in the programme this season and on the, the Chelsea website. Now, that's gone under the radar. And I'm really sad that Pat's not writing in the programme and not on the website anymore. Pat's column, you look forward to reading each week on, on the website. So has Pat just been let go, might have been freelance? Yeah, was that a financial sustainability cost cut? I don't, I don't know. But I think it's really sad that Pat is not writing for Chelsea Football Club programme every other Saturday and on, on, on our website. Now Pat's decided to do something else. I know he works with UC. That's fine. But you know, there's all these decisions being made with the thrust of it being around financial sustainability. And then and then again managing the PR thing, they then decide to put two new statues up. You know. You know now, you know, don't get me wrong, I actually think that might be potentially a good idea. I'm not necessarily sold in two lines. And if you hear but Where me is now, that happening?
3: Where are they going up, Mark?
4: Um, the, one of the statues is going at the front gate, you know, as you walk in the main gate and you, you've got that um, security box, it's going on top of there. Uh, and it's the same then at the shed end as well. They're both going, I believe, on the security box. But deciding to have two new statues five minutes after you have cut the subsidy, again, just looks like poor PR to me. You could have, if you wanted to have statues and you think about it, we've got the Osgood statue and... Probably the best atmosphere for a game I've been to for quite a while was the Viali game. Now, here's a scenario. If the club wanted to put two statues up and come back to Jose Feliciano's point about supporter engagement, had they said to supporters, we want to put, as part of the overall improvements, and they've done some good improvements on match days, a statue at both ends of the ground. If we do a survey, and if I surveyed you, J.K., Say, so what two statues would you like to see at Stamford
3: Bridge? What would you say? Um, I would choose players rather yeah. than, Yep, yeah, go for it. Rather than uh, um, just symbols of the badge, yeah. Um, and I would, uh, uh, there's a great pick of people that you could choose from Chelsea's history. Obviously, if there's if the 70s, '60s and early '70s have been represented by Peter Osgood, you could. Uh, um, you could choose a Viali, for example, with the the joy that uh, uh, that, for example, the Legends game gave so many people the memory of of him and his standing within the club. As an that's a perfect example. Um, and do you know what? You would be right, and
4: listeners, JK and I, I've only just seen the notes before we start tonight. We haven't compared notes, and I would have given the same answer as JK. And the reason why I, I would go for Viali and This is how you manage PR and you manage what they'll call the brand. If Chelsea had put a statement out the day of the Legends game, which was, as I said, the best atmosphere in years, and said, we're going to erect a Gianluca Vialli statue at the front of Stamford Bridge, I don't think you'd hardly seen anything on social media about this. And people will go, what a great idea. If they'd said, we're going to have a statue either for Ted Drake or Jimmy Grease or Dave Sexton or Peter Houseman or John Hollins or Peter Benetti, you know, again I think most people said, what a great idea yeah don't get me wrong that, those statues might be fine when they're put up but I'm not overwhelmed about a lying statue if you're going to do statues do them to deceased people that have played a fundamental part in the history of this football it, club
3: to me rather than because all the people you mentioned were fantastic representatives of the club and uh, yeah. and great players uh, oh. and you could argue perhaps that Bobby Tambling would get one as well um uh, and from a later point of view, you could almost say a Frank Lampard one, just because uh, um, Frank is possibly the best player we've ever had. But in terms of in terms of the love of the supporters, the other player at the Legends the other day who got the love was, of course, Gianfranco Zola, who did such an enormous amount, and was such a, a dear character as well. So from a PR point of view, for me, that would have been another possibility of a statue. Um, but... Um, uh, we've we, they've established they just want they just want lion badges, don't they? So uh...
4: yeah, I said I said don't yeah don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, they they may look you know very impressive. you once know, once they're in, but it comes back to Jose's point about the thing about fan engagement. This would have been a really yeah. good opportunity yeah. to talk to supporters and say we've put the new score um, screens up. You know, um, we've got that new arrangement on the concourse before games in the West End concourse, where they've got those um, shipping containers with food and drink, trying to improve the food and drink offer. They had this thing, I don't know if they still do it after the game, did it last season in the West End. They're trying to do things, which I do say is a positive, to improve the match day experience. And say, as part of this overall improving the look and feel of your match day experience once you enter Stamford Bridge, we'd like to put two statues up, Chelsea supporters. There's 40,000 people that come every week. If the Chelsea Supporters Trust can email on a Friday night all of our members about ticketing, all of our members about steak, and get a response back, Chelsea Football Club's far bigger. They could have done a survey and asked every supporter, what statue would you, you, know, would you like? And I think you and I thought exactly the same, JP. We thought Viali. And I think imagine, imagine if they'd announced that on the night of the Legends game. 40,000 people came to pay tribute to that wonderful man. No one would have given a shit how much that statue would have cost and there'd be no press speculation. But they haven't spoken to supporters, so they get another bad news story. Don't get me wrong. you know, I don't want to see Chelsea getting bad news stories. I actually want to promote this football club and see good news stories. But if they talk to supporters
2: more, we could help them. A similar thing happened with um, the prices for the women's season tickets this year, where they they held meetings with supporters and then when they announced the new plans with like split season tickets uh, and the price increases, they said on consultation with fans, this is what they've come up with. Fans that rather their meetings said that this is nothing that they put forward or agreed with at the time of the meetings. So, just like, again, with, with the men's team and supporter engagement, maybe they're doing it, but they're not not listening or the business is the first, you know, first checkbox rather than a Viareggio statue, which would be emotional, uh, or a subsidy for supporters, which would be, you know, a socially conscious thing to do because they've spent that much money on buying the club and then players. It's almost a five billion outlay, isn't it? You know, business is going to come first from now on. I just want to bring in some comments from Mixler because people have been uh, replying to us as we've been going. Uh, Big Blue Dan said maybe it'll free up some away tickets for supporters who always miss out or those who don't live in London. Uh, Andy the Hutch said just how many are disabled? When I go, I have to travel home and away. I'm 67 now, but don't expect someone to pay my expenses. Uh, Craig Jenkins, uh, unpopular opinion, but I don't think it's the club's responsibility to sub the coaches. They're still providing the service. It just costs a bit more now. Um, and then Craig always says the programme was losing money, uh, which again leads to your know, business first the program losing money how many supporters go weekly week they collect that program you know when i was little i collected the program when i went um it was just one of the things you do at the football and there's enough there's surely there's enough money there and if they've got 150 million for Casido, they've got money for programs and a coach trip to bournemouth and burnley and, and, of, and,
4: and, here I, here. I, and i think it's, it's it's probably a different approach that we're, we're now seeing is um like i've got a qualification in accountancy um and if you look at budgets it's a rare especially and i've worked with budgets for millions and millions of pounds it's a rare situation where you may have a hundred or a thousand budgets across your whole organization it's a rare situation where every single budget all balances they're all in the black rather than the red and the most important thing is obviously when you do end of year financial returns is the bottom line is the bottom line has to be in the black some budgets will overspend some budgets will underspend and you offset the two so my my school of thought yes yeah chelsea don't have to subsidize coaching absolutely correct but you know what it's a positive thing that they do do that and again, they've done that for a number of years. It would be nice for them to continue. Stoke City, their chairman, you know, subsidises their coaches for free. Liverpool ladies team, um, their sponsors, sponsor their coaches. So there are examples out there where, yes, they don't have to do it. But do you know what? It's a really good thing that they did do it. And actually, sometimes it can't just be cold-hearted business. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a romantic. Yeah, yeah. and I do do think actually there are some good things that you actually do, not because what the cost is, because it's the right thing to do. It's a really positive thing to do. And actually, and by doing it, you're a little bit different to the rest of the Premier League. You're doing something, you know, that actually benefits your supporters. Uh, I
2: think, JK, they should pay us to go and watch the team at the minute anyway.
3: Um, uh, I don't think they could afford me. <laughs> the
2: fan cost struggles as it is.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we, we yeah we just about balance the budget each
2: year, Dean, don't we? With
4: JK, yeah. <laughs> we'll
2: take a big pay cut for JK's service yeah. to the yeah. fan cost. Yeah. Um, that that's
4: that's part of it. You made a really good point, Dean, and and I think that's the thing as well. At the end of the day, um, we are, and that's good that we've bought the likes of fernandes and cesedo or Casado, but if you look at cesedo for example we probably could have got him for 15 million less you know, we we were trying to be clever at the end of the day and once more we got outsmarted by brighton in the negotiations situation now if we if we'd gotten for 15 million less we've got 15 million there the overall budget that actually yeah we've ended up with so we could have probably done things, yeah. You know, and it's it's just unfortunate, actually. Yes, it's good we get these players, but we don't necessarily have to spend 115 million to get them.
3: Yeah. No. But would that money have been used, Mark, in any other way? Is it? Is it? Do they not have a separate? I think. Budget? I
4: think to be fair, I think, and I think that's the issue now. Is I think what I was, I was hinting at: we are in a different place. I think the Chelsea of sort of 2023. There, there might be loads and loads and loads and loads, and loads of budgets. But every budget, I suspect, has to balance now. It's a different beast now. So whether you're the first team, there's a budget set aside for that. Uh, Whether it's the stadium, whether it's the programme, whether it's travel, I think every single budget, whether it's the museum, the tours, I suspect every single budget has to wash its face. We're in a completely different place now.
2: Yeah, well, I think on that note, we should actually move on to the football Uh, which we'll do
0: after this short break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? Nord VPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash ChelseaFanCast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea FanCast. The link is in the podcast episode description box.
1: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. FootballFancast.com
2: Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. And I'm still joined by Mr Jonathan Kipp. Hello. And Mr Mark Meehan. Good evening, everyone. Time now to actually talk some football then, uh, because we are uh, facing Aston Villa this Sunday. at Steveridge at 2pm. Um, We haven't got an opposition view this week, uh, JK, so I've got some of Aston Villa's results up and some team news. Um, Obviously, five games in, they lost 5-1 to Newcastle. They beat Everton 4-0, Burnley 3-1, lost 3-0 to Liverpool and won 3-1 against Crystal Palace. Um, so we can say they struggle against good teams and, and beat the the mid-table bad teams. So Aston Villa should win on Sunday.
3: Unfortunately, it's going to look that way, isn't it, uh, Dean? Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, Palace are actually have actually been playing very well. So that was uh, I'm surprised by that because Villa hadn't been. But well, I suppose Villa had. But as you say, they they uh, trounced Everton. Mm-hmm. They trounced Burnley, which is what. Um, we ought to do, but uh, I predict we won't. Um, yes, I, I can't say anything different from what you just said. I think we're going to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark, uh, I suppose it's... the big
2: difference is Aston Villa playing something called Europe um, on, on Thursday nights. Um, I think we used to do it uh, back in the day. Uh, they, played, <laughs> they played on Thursday and lost three-two. Um, we've had a full week in training. Does that put some more pressure on the players to perform? I don't know push play. Pre- Pressure on the players, I'd like to
4: think that works as an advantage for the players. Um, I was in the pub last night uh, and the Villa game was on and I think, how many changes did they make? About half a dozen changes? Uh, five changes. They made, they made five five changes uh, and they were beaten. I know it's 3-2, but yeah, I think Warsaw seems, from what I saw in the pub, des- deserved to win and um, Villa's manager came out afterwards and sort of like Denied, you know, he wasn't, you know, he's course he's taking the competition seriously. Uh, but they'll clearly make changes on Sunday. So there was players, I didn't look at the team, so I don't know what, what players they, they've rested for Sunday. But I think the fact that they've had that game, they've lost that game, they've got a trek back from Poland. Uh, and we've had a fresh week to prepare. This was what we've said, one of the, and there aren't many, one of the benefits of not being in Europe this season was... Potch would have more time with the players. He wouldn't be interrupted by, you know, having to play European games. So, I'd like to think that he's had, you know, a really good week with the players. He's practised something called shooting and shooting quite often. Um, at any, any part of the pitch and just shoot, like Frank Lampard used to do, and it used to go off like a pinball or three people can go in. So, it's always worth taking a shot, Conor Gallagher. Um, And I just think that sooner or later, our our fortune has to change. We are are possession-based. We are holding the ball. We are creating chances. We're just not finishing them. And I think what's probably going to be really important on Sunday, if we are to beat Villa, I think we need an early goal. I think we need to get at Villa early and try and get a goal. And I think why I hold a level of optimism... um, is I watched Villa against Newcastle this season, and they were very open at St James's Park. And one of the frustrations that we've had to endure over many home games, a few of which we've won, is we seem to struggle with teams, you know, who play many men behind the ball. They might park the bus. They might have a low block, which all the kids in the know talk about, but I have no clue what they're on about. So, they, they play very defensively and try and hit us on the break. But they start off playing for a point and sometimes sneak a win. I don't think Villa play like that. I don't think that's their style. Yeah, I don't think that's Emery's style as well. So, I think Villa will play a very open game against us. And I think that helps. Our best home game this season has been against Liverpool. Because Liverpool do not park the bus. They come out and play. We play better against teams that come out and play football. We struggle against teams who have no ambition and park the bus. So I think if Villa come out and play, we come out and play. We get an early goal. I think that bodes bodes well, but it's going to be tricky because you then need the fans behind you. And it's as we said earlier in the show, it's difficult for fans at the moment. Yeah, you know, they're uncertain which Chelsea will turn up. Yeah, you know, is it the Chelsea we know and love for many years, or this current version that is taking time? To get used to each other, taking time to settle, and some of whom are still probably living with the legacy of last season.
3: In the press conference today, um, Pochettino said, uh, "I believe three times. I believe, I believe, I believe that the uh, the fans will be will turn up and be behind us." Um, sort of missing the point, really, which is that uh, if the team doesn't play very well, it's it's tricky for the fans to. Uh, to be inspired, it's tricky for the fans to to react to to a poor performance. Um, I agree completely what you said about uh, uh, Villa giving it a go, because that's the way that Emery plays. Mm. So I was actually, um, I, I was, um, what's the word, not bewildered, but I, I didn't quite understand why they lost last night, because mm. the Europa League is his... Is Emery's big success because he had huge successes with Valencia, didn't he? So, um, I mean, it's obviously it's still it's still winnable, but they've got to go there. So perhaps um, it it was. I find it slightly strange that he was that that he looks as if he's going to be putting a first team out against us, and didn't put a first team out against um, the European side. But perhaps he'd he'd assess them wrongly, and he won't make the same mistake. But um, uh, I mean, he. He's managed to turn them round, hasn't he, uh, Emery? Because I think they were they were very low down at the beginning of the year when he came. And then um, he just seemed to assemble them into a side that believed in themselves. I mean, they've obviously got, you know, they've got a World Cup winner in Martinez, who's a nasty piece of work, but... Um, uh, never... I'd have him as our goalie. Uh, hey, I was about to... <laughs> <enough, I> was... <laughs> what I was about to say, I think he's got... He, he certainly bosses the box and has got a, an attitude. Um, um and watkins has been transformed by uh, by emery a very good predator uh, and i think they're missing mings who's once again been been whose performances have been improved and they bought Tielemans um who was always a decent player but i don't think he gets in the side i think he's more of a sub and cash has uh, has gone up uh, and i i always thought he was a good player actually when he played for burnley but he's um uh, uh he's a very very uh um, energetic defender, fullback um, Douglas Luiz is a good player. Leon Bailey, who initially I thought we were, weren't going to buy, didn't think he was good enough. Appears to have stepped up. And They've got the the fantastic John McGinn, who is really a a terrific performer. Um, nasty, nasty piece of work gets in the way. is uh, is is like Billy Gilmore, one step up really. Um, and he scored against us last year. If you remember McGinn. Um, he was
4: mad at a match as well. He was super he
3: was, yes. against us. I really did was. Otter saying that he, he wasn't an ex, unexpected goals. I think I mentioned that the other night. Um, but, um, uh, and Dini is quite a decent player as well. They've got some decent players. Just, and when dear, it's just interesting the way that, that uh, he's managed to get them, um, get them to play as a team, which is something at the moment that we're not, we're not seeing our, our chaps do. Um uh, I think it'll be interesting to see who, who Pochettino selects. I mean, um, this this at the press conference. I was intrigued to hear somebody saying, you know, it would, and even he echoed it. It would be nice to have, you know, everybody fit, um, and then we could have the first team playing. And you think, well, I'm sorry, nearly everybody who's who's unfit is um, uh, uh, wouldn't get a necessarily get a place in the first team, or you don't know who they are particularly. They don't know how they're going to play. And he then slightly went came back upon himself by when he was asked about. Um, was Broger going to come back in immediately? Um, and he said he hasn't had any competitive football for nine months. Why would I want to put him straight into the team when he needs to be coaxed in slowly, which made great sense to me. But the, once again, it's that theory that somebody who hasn't played somehow gets better on the substitutes bench. Or, uh, whereas in actual fact, he, he has to be tried out and treated with kid gloves because he had such a nasty injury. Um but uh, you know, it, um, here is evidence, Villa, that a team can be can be cobbled together and provide something better than their individuals, which is what Emery has done. And uh, and uh, to an extent, we there's hope for us in that he should be able, shouldn't he, uh, Pochettino, to get to get a performance out of the team um, that ends with the ball in the net. I mean, one of my fears is that Jackson is also the other thing about Jackson Jackson's on four yellow cards and if he gets another yellow card then um uh who on earth is going to play center forward if Broger isn't fit who's it going to be what, what what are they going to dredge somebody up from the uh, um uh, from the academy I say dredge because the academy at the moment doesn't seem to have a um a, a great um it, it doesn't seem to be the the, the most interesting thing for the uh, for the owners, which I think is such a shame. I think there's a very good young player, isn't there, uh, playing in the academy who keeps scoring. It would be nice to see him. Um, I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name, Dean? Do you remember his name? Uh...
4: I, 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 well, what, we had. What's it? Was it Stutter was on the bench last week at Bournemouth, and I think he's he's been scoring
3: goals. It's him. Academy. It's him. That's right. That's him. Yeah. It's him. Yeah. He's and been, I think to be fair, Hodge, well. yeah,
4: maybe because of injuries, but he is putting sort of some of the youngsters on the bench, even though he hasn't used them yet. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah yeah
3: so that that yeah, is it, positive yeah but it, uh, it even i just slightly despair at the, the the lengthening injury list and really don't get it you know now caicedo is unlikely to play because of his knee injury um which initially i didn't even know he had a knee injury um and uh the usual the usual suspects are there or thereabouts but they just seem to to hang on injured um, and you know, he says, right? Well, they're 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 training with the first team, but aren't being considered yet. So um, it just means the the pool of players gets less and less to choose from. But um, the the positive side uh, with the team um, is the defence at the moment. I think our defence defensive record is as good as anybody else's. It's the uh, it's just this complete bizarre inability to put the ball in the net. Um, that, that even Palmer, wandering into the side excell- expertly when he comes on as a sub, failed to do last weekend against Bournemouth. And uh, when when a shot would have been likely to have gone in the net, he decides to pass it to Sterling. Same with Colwell. Um, uh, and I was reading an article about how Colwell is playing left-back but has never played there in his life before. And um, whether this is because he's persisting with Chilwell as a as a left winger or, or that's just the setup at the moment. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so confused by that, um, by that choice. Um,
4: Could it be, obviously, I think you've talked about in previous shows, uh, we're playing as we are perhaps to accommodate Tiago Silva. So there's not so much Chilwell's playing on the wing because he thinks he's a brilliant left winger. Uh, Chilwell's worth his place in the side, but um it's a bit of a lobsided sort of like formation we're, we're going with. I know he keeps saying we're playing four at the back, but when you watch it, it doesn't always look like four at the back. Yeah. So you know, could could it be that you know, you and I look at it and think, well, actually he's playing three at the back, and Colewell's the left of the three. But as far as he's concerned, actually no, it's four at the back, and Cole is playing at the left back. But you you look at when Chilwell has played, yeah, you know, he's over there on the left hand side, almost like a left wing back rather than a left winger.
3: But so well, he hardly comes back to defend, though, does he, Mark? Because He's playing as a wing back. He's playing as a wing back. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, but...
4: I don't know, is he trying to do it? Because the th- thing about Silver is, you know, he defies, you know, defies gravity, defies age. He's 39 today. Yeah. He's 39 years of age today. And yet, other than Sanchez last week, he was probably one of our best players. Yeah. yeah and, I agree. And, and, I agree. And, and he's a tour de force, I gather, on the training ground as well. He's formidable on the training ground. He wants to win at all costs. He clearly was disappointed not to be playing European football this week. So it's hard if you're Pochettino and you are looking, if you're coming in as that new manager, he's looking for leaders on the training ground in the dressing room with him. And we know this is a very young side and he hasn't got many leaders. So he'll probably want as many leaders as he can on the pitch. So it's probably hard. Not to make sure that silver is in the side every week, even though you know, how, you yeah. know, how often can he sort of like continue to play at 39 years of age at such high standards?
3: But yet, as the, the, so I say, the defense is doing pretty well, isn't it? We're not, we're, oh, yeah, we're... it's as
4: good as the top four. Yeah, yeah we've only conceded five goals this season, yeah. so yeah. there's nothing wrong with the defense. So, whether it's a back three or a back four, it's working. We're not conceding yeah. goals, we're just
2: not bloody scoring <laughs> Do you think though, Mark? Because you know we're not conceding goals, but also we're not scoring. Is that because your left hand side is hampered? A player down because Colwell is having to cover, you know, into that three at the back when they've got the ball. If you had, you know, left back overlapping a winger, there's another body up there to maybe score more goals. Maybe oh, no, you this, this, more, this, you yeah, you know, I think
4: Dean, you've, you've hit a good point there. I think the way we are set up. Uh, And I always sometimes think, you know, you sometimes play different formations away from home than you do at home. And I always used to be frustrated when we played two defensive midfield players in home games, for example. I understand it playing away from home and then maybe change it during the course of the second half, bring off a defensive mid player, put a more attack-minded or reverse if you're winning. Um, But sometimes our formation is very defensively ordered. So we are set up not to concede goals. There's the protection in in front of defence as well. But yes, that might hamper our ability to score goals at the other end. So, as we're at home on Sunday, it might be a slight variation, a much more attacking formation, much, you know, the way we're set up. But who knows? We have to wait and see. I come back to the point, I think, however we set up, we need to go at Villa really early. Because I think, J.K. made to it. Fans and supporters, uh, fans and supporters will, and team will play off each other. So, if the team is doing well, the fans are behind it, if the fans are behind the team do well, and it's which one comes first. And I think if we start well, fans are always up at the start of the game, try and get an early goal, go out Villa early. And once you're on the back of the early goal, it could be a completely different game. The problem is the longer the game goes on without Chelsea scoring, the uncertainty sets in, the nervousness sets in, people go walk about, go and, go and have a beer at half time with their mates or whatever. I think we need to make that quick start. Luton worked because Sterling got a relatively early goal, and that settles everybody down. settles the crowd down.
3: Crowd get behind too. I think, Mark, well, what stuff- was impressive against Bournemouth though was that they were they were getting the ball down the other end quickly.
0: Yeah, um,
3: yeah. And it, it wasn't as if that. It's that uh, I think I mentioned it rather turgidly on Monday. It's that yeah. thing that they do of of. Um, stopping once well, they've got the momentum of going forwards and all the best teams that even do the who don't make any effort to attack but just block and then move on move on the break are um, uh, find themselves um, uh, do it very very quickly so that if they've got two up and they're running they'll have two up running and then all the rest of them will come into the penalty area but we seem to break very quickly and then somebody will just stop and pass the ball backwards in a way that I we everybody found very bewildering at Bournemouth shouting you know which is forward forward for goodness sake don't bring it back that kind of thing of just just stopping and thinking well I'm, I can't see a player ahead of me you almost feel that they just they just need to kick the other teams keep running into the penalty and if necessary have a shot we, we we just don't see that at all there's a there's, there's a mental thing going on there with that for me, and also the, the final ball into the penalty area, just a a kind of a useless cross or hit to nobody in particular. And all and, and the other thing is not having enough players in the penalty area is sort surely something that the manager can sort out. I mean, uh, uh, they uh, but as you say, if I suppose if they are if they are defensively minded, it's not going to be a case where you're going to get everybody leaping up to attack. But we are seeing as Attack at speed. It's the fact that they then sort of slow it down through, it's not through a lack of options, it's through, I think, a lack of confidence somehow, uh, which I, which once again should surely be sorted by the manager. No, I'd,
4: I'd agree. And I think we've had that benefit of that that week on the training ground, not interrupted by a European game. We haven't been to Poland, we haven't travelled across Europe. He's had time with the players. His only handicap is clearly is the players who are still out injured. And you would anticipate all those things get worked on the training ground. We see enough stupid videos online of players shooting the goal. So he's had time to work on it. It's another week. Another week working with that same group of players, getting to know the way the manager works, getting to know how the players think and feel. This is a brand new team, almost. We've only played five games this season. It's frustrating that we are 14th in the table, but the next seven days could be really, really interesting. If we beat Villa and then beat Brighton in the Carabao Cup uh, on Wednesday, there's almost like a, a, a quick about turn. Things look a little bit rosier because we're, um, we're going into some really important games coming up. You know, we've, got, um, we've got Fulham away, we've got Burnley away. And they're the sort of places you think that you don't want to be going to Fulham and Burnley away if you've lost to Villa and lost to Brighton and out of the Cup. Yeah, that's not the best preparation. So, get a bit of momentum. Beat Villa, beat Brighton. Go to Burnley, go to Fulham, get results there. Because once we get into October and beyond, you know, there's some big games coming up. Arsenal at home, Spurs away. Brentford won't be easy. We've got them at home in October. Then we hit December. We've got the likes of like, you know, Man United away. We've got City at home in November. So, this is an important week. We need to get a point on the board. We need to knock Brighton out the Carabao Cup as well. And I think things will look a little bit better this time next week, if we do both of those. Yeah,
2: he is hoping to that. Um, let's there's, always, there's always
4: hope, Dean. Always, always hope. hope.
2: Yeah, even if it kills you. Yeah. Um, go through the team news quickly from the fifth stand-up. They've um, got Badia Shield, Broja, Betnanelli, Chalabar, uh, Chakumeka, Fafana, James and Kuku and Lavia all out. Um, Kaisido, Kukurela and Maduweki should be back in the match day squad uh, in some capacity, uh, whether or not they're fit to
3: play. is a, He was a bit awesome. dubious about it in the press conference. He was a bit, you know, he didn't say he'd definitely be there. He said, yeah, he's, he's almost fit. It was, Well, last week he said he was there. And he wasn't. Tricky. Yeah. He was doing the other way around this week. See if yeah. that works. Yeah. I know he's come back with a slight injury of some kind. I'm I'm bemused as to what on earth. But I think Cucurella might be back in the squad, which filled all of us with great joy. Um <laughs> Uh but all the others, Bader, Shield, Broja, Betanelli, Chalabar, for Fafana, James, and Kunku, Lavia are all are still out. So uh
2: Yeah.
3: You know, sorry, say again, Dean. Sorry. I've
2: not predicted a team yet, so I thought we'd just go through a formation and, and Are we gonna to predict
3: we're we doing Because that? that's normally my the joy of uh, of seeing how completely wrong we are.
2: We'll we'll do it now.
3: We will, okay, good, yeah. good, good.
2: So there's a 4 2 3 1. Sanchez is going to be in goal.
3: I hope so. Well, yep.
2: Really. Yep. Gusto uh, at right back. Yep.
3: Yep. Yep. No one else.
2: Uh, Diaz and Silva centre backs.
3: Seems likely. Like.
2: Yeah. And Cole will still at left back. Or do I you, think think you think that's going to be the change? case? Yep. 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 Very likely. Um, And then we've got Fernandez and, and Les in the midfield still. Do you think?
4: Unless Cosido passes a late fitness test, yeah, that's more likely.
3: I didn't get the impression from the press conference that Koseido was going to be playing. Exactly.
4: I think they, yeah, I think, did he say something like, you know, they'll leave it late, but I suspect yeah. he won't be, he won't be fit. He'll be on, he might be on the bench right now. Yeah. Be, yeah. So I think, I think, I think Les will start. Yeah, I think yeah. he had a good game against Bournemouth, actually. He did, yeah, he I did. And I, I mean, think his, it was his other game against Wimbledon. I thought he played well against Wimbledon as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, are we presuming then that um, Connor, who was excellent last week, other than his ability to hit the sodding target, well, he hit the target, but to shoot in time? Two touches, Connor. Come on, <clears throat> belt it, mate. That, um...
2: Connor is the 10.
3: Yeah. yeah. As
2: captain again, I suppose. Captain um, Connor. Sterling on the right. But then on the left, you've got either Mudrick or, or Palmer or Chilwell.
4: It's one of those three, yeah. Who I personally,
3: pick? Would, I'd pick Palmer just to give I'm not convinced that he wants him to play there because he played, brought him on as a right midfielder. Um, I personally would pick him on the left where he was playing for City, but he gave Mudrick a go, and Mudrick did a couple of nice things with Jackson, but then got, he actually got scragged by uh, Aaron's who really kicked him up in the air. Then he kicked Aaron's back and got booked and then it seemed to fade away and when, was replaced by... by um. I think Chilwell got the, the rest of the game, didn't he? I was sure Chilwell only came on for 10 minutes. Who did he put on instead? Um, but anyway, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I don't. I think he'll do the same. I don't think he'll pick Chilwell again. I think he'll pick... Um, I mean, it, of course, the reality is, of course, he will pick Chilwell. He'll pick Chilwell and uh, on the left. And uh, um, and he'll bring the others on later, if necessary. He'll, I don't think he'll play Mudrick. I think he'll bring um, Palmer on much earlier. Yeah, Mark. Who do you think is going to be
2: on the left? Uh, I I think we probably start with Hendrik. Well, that means I get to do the, the final vote. Um, I think it actually starts Palmer. So, um,
3: well, we've given difference. each one of them a go.
2: So yeah, we've, yeah, we've, yeah the there. half an yeah. hour each. Yeah, yeah. and then a Jackson up front. Obviously, uh, so there's no one else.
3: Yes, he. No, he no, there is no. one else. He was. Uh, he was very poor against Bournemouth. Let's be honest, really poor. But you know, let's um, let's hope he's uh, he's had the week to uh, to get the lead out of his boots. He, might be, uh... he tries hard. He gets he gets scragged as well, though. He gets uh, he, he gets bullied. He hasn't learned to move out of people's way. Actually, he doesn't quite deal with the Premier League at the moment, Jackson. I'm yeah. afraid. There might be a ben I think, bench. I think. I think. might Mike Bassett
2: on the in the dugout club. Maybe they get on up front. <laughs> um. So last thing we're going to do is prediction. Then. Um. some good news. Apart from last season, Aston Villa haven't won at Stamford Bridge since 2011. Uh. Last five games, we've won three, drawn one, and lost one. Um. Obviously, they played Thursday. We've had a week off. Um, JK ever the optimist 2-2 2-2 two, a... Two. a Desmond yes yes Mark I've done my prem predictions
4: for Sunday uh, and I've gone for a 2-1 victory to Chelsea
2: yeah I, w- I would say one all, but I want to finish positive so I'm going to say 3-1 to Chelsea uh, as well so 3 points not Brighton out then um, Go on and win the league. Um so I think that's what the people want to hear right now.
3: Yeah, um... yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll be more positive. Five nil. <laughs> yeah, what have you gone for in the Prem predictions, JK? Yeah. Uh I think um two one. Well, to Chelsea. Did, yeah, I've I've evolved since I did it a couple of days ago. So yeah. I think it's yeah,
2: so Two victories and a draw, then, um, is what the people are getting this uh, this week from us. Um, Jk, um, good to see you again as always. Uh, back Monday, lovely, of course.
3: Lovely to be on. I'm 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 less miserable, but um, I, I approach each game now as a kind of you know adventure. You just think, what on earth is going to happen? With hope, as we keep saying, well, you hope they're going to just turn up. This this thing each week, you think somehow they would have been gelled into. A magnificent all purpose side who beat everybody. Um, But in reality, what we get is decent defense. Ball comes out quite quickly out of uh, defense to midfield with some decent uh, passing. And then the final third, it all falls apart. So uh, you hope that Pochettino will will sort it out, mate. Sort it out, Poch. Well, he's had a week. That's more than enough
2: time in football to make some changes. Uh, Mark, excellent to hear from you, as always.
4: Um... No, Dean, re- really good to be on the show. Yeah, we don't go to football to see our team lose every week. Yeah, we're, we're not like, what was that, Michael Palin comedy, Ripping Yarns, Barnstoneworth Rovers, who got absolutely tonked every single week. People don't do that. They go along on a Saturday or Sunday or Monday to see their team win, or, or hopefully see their team win. So... Let's hope, obviously, good week on the training ground, another week in as Pochettino's manager, another week working with a new group of players. Hopefully some of that possession football chance to create can actually turn into goals. Um, just to think, mention as well, if people are coming down, uh, to Stamford Bridge on Sunday, uh, just to mention that, um, we'll once again, be supporting our over the line campaign um, through the supporters trust in the tea bar on Sunday there's two specialist support workers from Mind from Hammerson Fulham Ealing and Hounslow Mind so again they're there from 12 o'clock if people want a bit of a, a cup of tea and a quiet conversation a bit of support it's okay not to be okay as we've said so many times before and we'll be doing that at home games this season and if it, in any way, even provides help to one or two Chelsea supporters, you know, it's it's all all worthwhile. And again, the other thing as well is we also have got the food bank uh, outside Oswald Stoll on Sunday as well, so if people are in a position uh, to bring along uh, any donations they can make, either financial or uh, goods, it's on our Twitter feed on the Chelsea Supporters Trust, what the most useful items that we could have for the food bank, and people will be there um, probably till about one thirty on Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah, two great causes, and, and you mentioned a lot of great work that supporters trust do. Um, if anyone wants to be involved, become a member because it's open to everyone, isn't it? Um, how can they do that?
4: Oh no, I, I, absolutely. If people want to, you know, be involved with Chelsea Supporters Trust, yeah, go to Uh If you are an existing member, we'll be holding our annual general meeting in one of the suites at Stamford Bridge on Saturday, I think the 14th of October. So again, if you remember, a member, do, do come along. The Chelsea Supporters Trust are elected annually. So we're just about to go into our, our period of annual elections. Any Chelsea fan is able to stand for election. And each year, yeah, we have new people joining the board. Everybody's a volunteer. Give up all, all their time for free. Because actually, you know, We very much see our role as promoting Chelsea Football Club and more importantly, promoting Chelsea supporters because ultimately, you know, Todd Bowling, clearly may own Chelsea, but owners come and go. The one constant is Chelsea Football Club playing at Stamford Bridge and its supporters and long may that continue.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We'll leave the link um, in the description box uh, for all that as well. Uh, sadly, that is all we've got time for tonight. We will be back, myself and JK, on Monday with uh, Mr. Dan Silver to reflect on Sunday's game, which is hopefully a win and a more positive podcast for us all. Uh, until then, keep it blue, keep it careful, and keep it chills. Have your
3: chills, JK!
1: On 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in?